Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on a Saturday afternoon in the great state of Texas. Hope you're enjoying your weekend. Um, hope you're out and about. Actually, I hope you're not out and about. I hope you're listening to the show. No, I'm kidding. You can be outdoors wherever. You could be jogging. You could be listening to us on the podcast. However it is that you're accessing the show, you know, you can listen every week live on the bridge and you can listen on your radio in the greater Austin area, the Central Texas area, or you can listen through iTunes. You can li- listen through SoundCloud. We've got the podcast available. So, so many ways to stay connected with us. But we take this minute, this time, 30 minutes a week to update you on things. And look, there's been a lot happening. If you're new to the show, we talk about the issues of faith, family, and freedom as they specifically relate to the state of Texas. The work that we do at Texas Values, we're a statewide organization. We do work all across the state. Sometimes we deviate outside of the state, which I did actually a week and a half ago. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And we're expecting to have a guest later in the show. I'm not going to ruin that surprise, but we'll see how that goes. But, you know, earlier this week, there were Two different things. Uh, There was a big court case at the U.S. Supreme Court that deals with the issue of free speech, pro-life pregnancy centers, really in a lot of ways religious liberty, in my view, on some of these things. But this court case was heard before the U.S. Supreme Court, and it's coming out of California, where California has a law where they're trying to restrict the rights of pregnancy centers. These are pregnancy centers that are pro-life. These are places where women go because they want to have an option other than abortion, or they're not sure what they want to do. But this, these centers offer an alternative to abortion. They offer a loving approach, a long-term approach to helping women not only protect themselves, but protect the child in their womb, give them good options as far as decisions they can make and resources to help support them and the child. And so, look, here's the reality, in my opinion. We talked about this last week with Jonathan Keller, um, who's from California, who's in my position for a state group in California. A a lot of this, uh, the government trying to restrict these centers, is a result of these centers having success. There There are more of these pregnancy centers than there are abortion clinics. And so, you know, they're losing the battle in the marketplace, if you will, the abortion clinics are. So they want to now really, you know, use government power to give themselves an advantage or to help their efforts because there are more centers that are pro-life when it comes to these issues than their abortion clinics. And, and part of that is because a lot of governments, including the federal government, have taken measures or attempted to take measures that no longer allow tax dollars to be used for abortions or for these clinics. And look, if if they think that that abortion is so critical, you would imagine they're going to have no money, no problems raising money. I mean, they seem to uh, Planned Parenthood seems to have no problem raising money for candidates. I mean, they're out there all the time endorsing candidates, doing things related to helping candidates get elected. And so, anyway, so that was at the Supreme Court on Tuesday. I was at a luncheon on Monday talking about the cake baker case out of Colorado. And, and real quick, on that case out of California that's at the U.S. Supreme Court, this is a case of the government trying to force pregnancy centers to put up information so women can find out where to get an abortion. Okay, I want to let you let that sink in. 
the government forcing these pregnancy centers to put up information so when women come to their clinics, they can see information that tells them where to go to get an abortion. You know, I mean, that's that's like, you know, sending someone to some to an agency that works on non-smoking with a big ad of, I guess, the Marlboro Man. Right. And, you know, where to get your cigarettes. I mean, there's no it doesn't add up. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And and look, forced speech is not free speech. Okay, and that's what the government's doing in this case. They're trying to force these nonprofit private centers to communicate a message that the government prefers in a situation like this. So we'll have more to say about that. But then on Monday, I was at a luncheon on the other case before the U.S. Supreme Court out of Colorado. This is Jack Phillips, the cake baker, who served gay clients and gay customers. But when a gay couple came in and asked him to design a specific custom wedding cake, with messages communicating support for same-sex marriage, which went against his conscience, he said no. He w- he wasn't able to use his resources that way. And then the government tried to force him again. The government trying to force him to communicate a certain message, and he doesn't think that's the right use of the government power. That that's a government overreach. And so the case is up before the U.S. Supreme Court. I went to a luncheon with some legal scholars, if you will, on this issue as a part of a Federalist Society event. And it was really interesting to hear what they would say about this. One of them, both of them supported same-sex marriage just as a policy or you know a personal view. But one of them who considers himself libertarian with the Cato Institute said, you know, that he supports same-sex marriage and he thinks it's bigoted for Jack Phillips not to design this cake or, or for people to, to not agree with same-sex marriage. He does believe that the government doing this is an overreach of government power for them to come in and try to force Jack Phillips to do this. And so it's kind of interesting. You know, a lot of times the courts take cases on a case-by-case analysis, and he said, look, this may be a situation where we have to take this on a cake-by-cake analysis, you know, just kind of throwing in a little bit of of humor, I guess, in there. But it's a serious issue. And look, there are a lot of examples— of speech being communicated in certain ways, whether it's symbolic, whether it's actual words. I mean, we know words are written all the time on cakes. That's no question. And there's no question that Jack Phillips is a custom cake baker. This isn't Walmart spitting out cakes by the dozen every day or so. And I'm not saying that it would be entirely different in that case, but there is some difference when you have these custom cake bakers. And so, look, I mean, burning the American flag is considered a form of of expression. So surely someone that is designing a cake with words on it can also be in, in a similar category, if you will, of, of a form of expression that's protected under the First Amendment. I mean, look, some forms of, of adult, if you will, so-called gentlemen's clubs um, and, and the type of things that happen in those places are considered expressive speech by some. So we'll see how that works out. But, you know, it's a very important case. And look, on the the pregnancy center case, we had a court case like that in Texas that I was I worked on. I was one of the lawyers that represented three different pregnancy centers, um, two under the Austin Pregnancy Resource Center label and another one 
the Gabriel Project Life Center, that's a, that's a ministry of the Catholic Church. I represented those three entities as a part of a legal team against a similar law that the city of Austin had passed. We won that challenge and got that law struck down three or four or five years ago. But if the Supreme Court rules in favor of California in that case, we might see the city of Austin and other people try to resurrect these issues again in Texas. So a very important issue for anyone across the country, particularly in Texas. But I was at an event yesterday in San Antonio with a pastor's briefing with my friends at Family Research Council and the organization, their entity and project called Watchmen on the Wall. So we're continuing to educate pastors. Look, there's a lot of things going on in the state of Texas that people want to be engaged on. You know, there are runoff elections that are coming up. Uh, Early voting starts in the middle of May. You can still register to vote, I think, up until the third week of April. If you miss the registration for the first round of primaries, now that we're in the runoff, you can sign up and be a part of the runoff elections moving forward. And so, look, there's a big runoff race here in the Central Texas area. The third court of appeals race is on the ballot. And so, you know, very important race. There are races um, just north of here, state house races. There's um, state house races in San Antonio, excuse me. And um, so a lot to, to stay mindful of. You know, it's not all decided yet, depending on where you're listening. And so, but I want to just reflect on something. Um, last week, I was in our nation's capital. I'm going to just take a drink to clear my throat. I was in our nation's capital and, you know, I don't, I did something I don't often do. I, I left Texas and I went to DC, but just for a couple of days, don't worry. I didn't, I didn't stay there and didn't get caught up in all that, but we had an opportunity to go to the Capitol um, to get a briefing from U.S. Senator Ted Cruz's office and staff and his chief of staff, got to sit in the U.S. Senate, took a tour of the Capitol, and was invited to take a West Wing tour of the White House. You know, this is the working area. This is where the Oval Office is, the Situation Rooms, the press briefings, all of that that you see on the on television. You just see depicted a lot in fictional movies and sometimes biographies. And so a really interesting trip. First of all, I've never taken a tour of the U.S. Capitol. I'm always like working when I'm in those settings. I, I've only been to the U.S. Capitol a few times. That's Our work is, is focused on the state. So I'm not up at the U.S. Capitol all that much. But even at the Texas Capitol, I don't think I've ever been on the tour, maybe as a child. But, so, but it was nice to almost kind of be a tourist, if you weigh in, and just allow myself to, to be surrounded all that and, and to let it just really sink in. And I'm going to tell you, if you've never been to the U.S. Capitol, it's quite amazing. The rotunda in the middle where you can see the dome and it's just glorious because the way they have is they've got these carvings and paintings that if you literally just kind of make a 360 degree turn, you will see what they call the story of America depicted in all these different carvings. And then if you look up, there's this glorious painting at the top of the U.S. Capitol that um was just amazing. And, and it's kind of far up there, but you can see it. I mean, you can see what it is and see it depicted and just see this, you know, it's, um, I guess as, as some, it was a Greek Italian artist that, that painted this area of the rotunda. And, um, you know, look, I, I wasn't sure what was exactly depicted in this area, but I mean, you could just see so many different kind of spiritual symbols and cultural symbols and American symbols that are all kind of laid out um, up there. You've got the E 
pluribus unum that's up there. The out of many um, is one. And so it just really interesting stuff. And I mean, just just to take it all in. And then I'll tell you, one of the most special moments was when we were in the West Wing of the White House. And I'm literally standing right outside the Oval Office. You know, and, and you see it depicted all the time. And, and I have to say, it's it did look a little bit smaller than the way it feels on television. You know, you hear that a lot about a lot of things, but um, but that didn't take anything away from it. it and it was great about it since you could everything was in close proximity at, at, at a smaller size. I could see everything. I could see the resolute desk. I could see the, you know, the windows that, you know, you can see where there's the balcony that go out to the balcony there of the White House. And just, you know, and President Trump had just arrived about an hour before we got there on Marine One in the helicopter. We didn't see him land, but we were told about that. And, you know, they say, oh, he's in residence. That's the term they use when he is at the White House and, and First Lady Melania are at the White House. And so just to, and we saw the Rose Garden, but just to stand outside the Oval Office, I tell you, you know, I did have a moment where I just was filled with emotion, with pride, you know, just a, just a reminder of the exceptionalism of America. And, and Texas is so much a part of that. You know, in the U.S. Capitol, there are two figures that have weapons that are statues. <laughs> there are only two. Stephen F. Austin has a rifle or a musket, and Sam Houston has a sword. And so, you know, very fitting there. And I just, you know, I, I just wanted to share that with you because it really struck me. And, you know, like I said, I'm usually working and kind of moving and, you know, not really taking in a lot of those type of things because I'm focused on what I'm doing. But I really enjoyed that, you know, and, and I really, I re- the timing of it, I, I don't want to say I needed it. Maybe I did need it. Um, I valued it because it was a week after the elections. We did a lot of work to educate people on things in the election. It was a really long two to four weeks, if not longer and so to, to take a couple of board members, to go with my staff, uh, David Walls, my other staff member that went with me, and to be there and, and just take it all in, uh, you know, it, it just was really fulfilling, and it just gave me new strength and just kind of recharged me, if you will, and reminded me of that. And I'm not saying I need to be reminded. I know what I'm doing. I know the purpose of it. But, you know, just like anyone else, you know, you can be kind of worn down by a lot of things that happen. And so my point to you is even me, even myself and the work that I do day in and day out, I benefit from those reminders in coming face to face and so close with what makes America great, what makes it exceptional, what makes it glorious, and to see the symbols of our faith you know, there as well, to see the cross, to see religious imagery uh, so much around the U.S. Capitol is something that just really struck me, and I was glad that I took time to do it. And honestly, I went up there um, to give an opportunity of our board members to see some of these things and to also uh, to get briefed on different issues. But, you know, and so my goal was just to get there and, and, and have the folks that they're with me enjoy things that they don't get to see every day. I found myself thankful that I was there as well and, and, and really benefited from it. And so I was very encouraged by that. You know, look, and, you know, it was a lot, there's a lot of attention that you get. You might have gotten over the past two months on elections. Man, it just reminded me of why all that is so important, why showing up is so important. Why, you know, people that have the courage to represent us in elective office 
is so important. And so, you know, even though we have differences, and we'll probably continue to have differences, you know, whether Republican or Democrat or Christian or atheist, you know, straight or gay, whatever, you, we see these things that, you know, where we have differences, and there are reasons for those differences, you know, very clearly, you know, of worldviews. But there continues to be something great for us to have this opportunity within Texas and America to figure these things out. And to have the religious freedom to do that, to have the First Amendment rights to do that. And so, and I just want to reflect for a minute, too, on some of the things that happened locally with the bombing, the bombings over the past two or three weeks here in the Austin area and Central Texas area. You know, I received a package at my home over the weekend. I expected it, so it wasn't all that suspicious, but I did have law enforcement check it out just to be be safe. And I really appreciate them. I, you know, really appreciate the role that they have, the risk that they take, and, and how they serve, how pure their public service is, and how that continues to be such a vital part of our, our community, our state, and our country, and how it continues to be all of these values worth fighting for. They are worth fighting for. There's no question about that. And so, and look, you know, I, I, it, it did sad me, sadden me to see this young man take his own life, commit suicide. And, and while I was thankful that he was out of harm's way, you know, it, it just it, it saddens me anytime I see someone's life end in suicide because you just you just have to imagine there was so much going on there that never got worked out. And, and that's and so much troubling that was. And so but certainly thankful that his life, he's out of the way, if you will, and no longer in a position to harm other people and and really just pray for those that are still healing you know you could you could expect or you know believe that it's likely some of these victims you know their life has changed forever because of the experience and how traumatic that is and possibly wounds that may never heal or 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 their body has been changed in some way that um that it will never be the same and so and so I agree for that as well but you know we're coming up into these runoff elections We've got some major court cases that are going on. You need to stay engaged. You need to go to txvalues.org to stay engaged. I didn't talk a lot about the elections last time because we had such an exceptional guest. One of the things from the ballot on the Republican primary side, the issue of privacy was on the ballot. Um, the you know the, there's there were eleven propositions, and oftentimes you'll see this in the primaries as a way. For the, for the respective parties to find out what do their primary voters believe. And look, from my experience, the people that vote in the primary, those people are by and large the ones that stay engaged the most. They vote more, um, you know, in a way that you can count on more, I almost want to say religiously, but, you know, they, they vote more consistently. They usually turn out to meetings. They go to the Republican Party of Texas convention and things of that nature. Anyway, so 11 propositions. One of the propositions on there was the aspect of supporting that we should not be allowing men into women's bathrooms in our government buildings and our public schools. Okay, this is what the Privacy Act was about, was making sure at the state level we say that we cannot have laws that allow men into women's bathrooms because we've seen this happen at the local level. We saw Obama try to push it at the federal level, and that got pushed back by the courts and repealed by President Trump. But you still... You don't have anything that prevents the local governments from doing that. So they're doing that. They're now saying, oh, well, we're going to do that, you know. And so I guess 
And, and then when the state law didn't pass, they're like, oh, well, I guess we're there's even more reason for allowed to do it. So there was some suggestion about, oh, these issues don't poll very well. Even Republican voters don't really support it. One um, organization called the Texas Association of Business that lobbied against the Texas Privacy Act and did it with a lot of misleading information, in my opinion, that um, got exposed. They said that, oh, only 26 percent of Republican voters support these privacy issues. Well, you know, one of, I've always said the ballot, you, you know, the, the poll you need to rely on is the ballot box. So at the ballot box, when this issue went to the voters in a confidential setting, 90 percent of the primary voters voted in support of not having men in the women's bathrooms and government buildings in uh, public schools. 90%. There were 11 ballot propositions. This one got the third most votes of any of the 11 propositions, even higher than repealing Obamacare, which only got 86% of the vote. I mean, I have to tell you, I wasn't sure how it was going to work out. I thought it would be pretty strong, but I don't know that I would have, you know, been so bold to to suggest, oh, we're going to get more than 90%. I, I'm, not, I'm not entirely surprised by it, but a little. I'm, I'm encouraged, really. I'm like, yeah, because some of the things we had seen were 80%. I think the issue is very simple. So it really confirms what a lot of we've heard, that this is a very simple issue. So why were House members not allowed to vote on it? That's because you had Joe Strauss blocking the issue, okay? And this isn't my opinion. I mean, he he publicly opposed it. He did a press conference saying, we're done. We're going home. I'm not voting on this issue. I'm not voting on these other issues by the governor during the special session. So it's, it's, it's you know, this is just the fact of the matter. And so, but at the ballot box, 90%. Not only that, but um, every House member that supported the Privacy Act that was an incumbent because, um, that that received an endorsement from Texas Values Action, all of them won re-election. Now, there was one that didn't win re-election that supported the Privacy Act, uh, the Wayne Faircloth out of the Southeast Texas area, but that's not what that issue was about. Mays Middleton, who beat him, supports the Privacy Act. There were other issues related to, to freedom in, in schools and school choice that related to that to some other issues in that district, and that, and that wasn't a factor. And so... Really interesting to see how this issue plays out because we continue to see this issue come up. San Antonio, Bear County, three weeks ago, they amended their government rules. So if you go on government property in Bear County, don't be surprised if you see a biological man in the women's bathroom because now their policy is they're going to make those decisions based on someone's sexual orientation and gender identity when it comes to public accommodations. So employees in Bear County, if you have someone who is a biological male and says they identify as a woman, they can use the women's bathroom. And you might think, oh, well, those are employees. I mean, they can do whatever they want. That doesn't affect me. Yes, it does. Do you not ever go into a, a government building? If you live or, or go in Bear County, uh, I'm going to check this. I think that the Alamo Dome, is a county facility, okay? I mean, it it applies to what happens on county property, and it and it applies to government officials. Excuse me, government employees. Who do you think's working 
at these facilities when you go there, government employees. And so I think it's very important for people to understand what's going on here. And so, and what it's about and not just be dismissive, oh, that doesn't affect my life. Well, yeah, if you never step property or never step foot in Bear County in a, in a in a government building, if you never go to court in Bear County, or if you never, I mean, you may not even realize that there's a county building you're going into is a Bear County government facility. There's a lot of facilities these days that kind of have these partnerships and you don't realize it, but the government helped fund it. So it's by and large a government facility. And so, you know, look, I'm just a public service announcement here when you go into Bear County in the San Antonio area to not be surprised. And and I'm not trying to, you know, overly concern people. I'm just being honest with you. I mean, that is why it was changed. That's why Bear County changed it. They want to allow people to make the decision to go into what bathroom they want. So you have to expect people are going to exercise that right. So, and, and look, we testified against it. There is tremendous opposition to this issue. Now, some of these Bear County officials are Democrats, liberals, whatever you want to call them, that they're they're not Republicans, conservatives, they're not even, you know, mainstream moderate Republicans. So, of course, they're supportive of it. I don't know, maybe one maybe there may be a few. They sure didn't act like it when they voted on this issue. And so, they're dismissing what the majority of Republicans think, and, and you have to imagine this issue polls at least 67%, if not higher, across the board. I mean, that's where it was in Houston. When there was a vote in Houston on this issue, it's 61-39. That's not a close election. That's 22 points difference. So, you know, this issue continues to get pushed. The local government continues to focus on the bathroom issue, to focus on changing laws for sexual orientation and gender identity. They continue to push the envelope and they continue to use their government power to wade into these bathroom wars. And that's why you saw at the state level, the legislature saying, we got to do something about it. We can't just have these local governments making these things up as they go along here and there. And a lot of times without a whole lot of notice and, and drawing a lot of concern and opposition and then ignoring the opposition and just voting for these things and, and, and acting as if they're not controversial when you had millions of dollars and thousands of people at the Capitol on these issues. So stay engaged on the on the, the uh, runoff elections that are coming up. Stay involved with us at Texas Values. Some major U.S. Supreme Court cases coming up. That's why we support legislation at the state level, because who knows what the Supreme Court's going to do. And it, even if they make a decision that we support – there's going to be some detail needed at the state level to make sure it's applied the right way. So go to our website, txvalues.org. If you've never donated to our work, we're a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We rely on your donations. That's how we continue to exist. And we'll see you next week. And you can listen to us right here on the Texas Values Report, where we talk about faith, family, and freedom in Texas.